Hello, and welcome to Retrospection Radio Theater. You're watching Murder at the Lodges, starring Dustin Burke as Croc, myself as Joe, Dylan Sedam as Harold, Drew Morris Tanner, and Lizzie Zink as Chelsea. This is the harrowing tale of Tanner as he arrives at the top of a mountain with his business partner, Joe. Our setting is the Four Cabin Lodges in Maine, November 1938. During this time, Franklin D. Roosevelt is the President of the United States. His actions have set the U.S. on track to recover from the Great Depression, which befell the world nearly a decade earlier. Germany has begun to militarize the Rhineland, and war would break out in September of the following year, 1939. The world is afraid, and tensions are high. America is trying to pick itself up by the bootstraps, and Germany appears to have already done that. On the home front, companies are either growing in power or being erased from existence. For example, Ameriburger grew during this time, employing many workers for low wages, like our main characters, Tanner and Joe. Tanner and Joe have been sent to an all-expense-paid meeting at the Four Lodges Resort in Maine to meet with a rival company's representative to discuss a potential brand deal, which would allow for rapid growth of both businesses. There are four cabins, a check-in lounge area, a kitchen storage area, and two residential cabins. All four cabins are connected by stone walkways with the lovely courtyard in the center. The lodges make a rectangle, with each lodge forming a corner. Tanner and Joe have just finished the chilly drive up the side of the mountain. All right, Joe, grab those bags. We're in cabin three. I'll go check us in. How many cabins are there? Four. Why'd the boss have to send us up to Maine during winter? Who are we supposed to meet here anyways? Mr. Foreman said we're supposed to meet a representative of a head competing company. Look, Joe, I don't want to be up here any more than you do. But the sooner we talk with this guy, the sooner we can get back to sunny old Ohio. <sighs> sunny? Oh, all right. I'll pull the car around and you go check us in. Hiya. Saw you pull up. Can I help you? Hiya, doll. My ain't you a sight. You almost warm up this mountainside. Oh, jeez, mister. You can make a girl blush. Real sweet of you. May I have your name? I'd like to check into cabin three. Tanner Johnson and Joe Valentino. Sure thing, hon. Mind signing in this book right here? Say, this paper looks a bit old. It's starting to yellow. You might need a new book here soon, ma'am. I'm sure we'll get a new one. Here's the key. Say, you're the Ameriburger guys. That's us, yeah. Be nice if anyone could afford a burger right now. What with the economy and all. Eh, blame Germany. You fighting the war? Anyways, you be careful out there. Heard it's gonna start storming soon. Storms up here on the mountain sure are killer. Held and I have been snowed in quite a few times with guests. Hopefully you can do whatever it is you need to do and head home before it hits too bad. I'll be alright. Thanks for the worry. 
I cross through the snowed over stone paths toward cabin three and find Joe waiting outside for me. We didn't think that through, Tanner. Well, you didn't have to stand in the cold waiting for me to get the key. You could have waited in the car. Not like it's got a built-in heater. I'm surprised it made it up the mountain at all. <laughs> oh, Joe, you sure are a funny guy <laughs> to think cars having a heater built in. I bet the car would catch on fire. Then you'd have to worry about being too warm. Better than being too cold. Let's unpack and, and think about how we're going to approach this meeting of ours tomorrow. Joe and I chatted for a few hours, but we couldn't land on a decision. He wanted to do a good cop and bad cop routine, but I'd figured it'd be best if we got straight to the point and got out of here as quickly as possible. Howdy there, I'm Harold. I'll be your cook. What's on the menu for the Ameriburger boys? Burgers? I think I'll have some fresh, authentic Maine seafood. Me too, I'm starved. All right, I've got some lobster. I think it's still fresh enough. Dinner will be ready in about an hour, all right? Go ahead and stop by the kitchen cabin when you're ready. Chelsea should be setting the table soon. Sure. Say, Harold, right? Do you know if it's supposed to snow anytime soon? Well, we're on top of a mountain. It tends to snow quite a bit around here. Well, that's not what I meant. I mean, what happens if it snows too heavy? Well, then we get snowed in. Have to wait a few weeks before we can leave. I don't want to be snowed in. Which is why we'll make this deal quick. We'll see if we can't discuss business at dinner tonight instead. Thanks, Harold. We'll see you in about an hour. Sure thing. Why would the boss send us up to Maine on the verge of winter? You don't think they could have sent us anywhere else? I'm sure they could have sent us wherever they wanted. My guess is that this place is pretty cheap compared to a beach vacation. Yeah, but I'd rather conduct business in my swimsuit than in the three layers of jackets and long johns. The hour passes slowly. Joe and I play chess on a board that is missing a few pieces. We just use spare buttons and items throughout the room to fill them in. There wasn't much conversation. There didn't need to be. We just spent a long ride in the automobile together to get here. Plus, I really don't like sharing my personal feelings with people. Tanner, you see that? What? Over there, in that corner, at the edge of the rug. Oh yeah, I see it. What, what is it? Looks like some wood might be rotting, or someone spilled their coffee and it froze. No, it, it looks a bit more caked in there. Upon closer inspection, looks like there's some scratch marks here. Maybe they had an annoying cat they had to take care of. Well, that's a bit dark. Probably just a dog or something at some point. We can ask. Finally, though an hour passes and we go to the dining cabin. Howdy, boys. Chelsea. Get unpacked, okay? Sure did, miss. Glad to hear it. Will you be joining us for dinner tonight? Well, unless our guests don't want staff to eat with them, <laughs> I'd sure like to. Gentlemen? Ma'am? Ah, Mr. Goodman. Please, call me Croc. Croc? Because I hide in the water, wait, snatch up good deals. 
Yes, perhaps it's not the best of nicknames, but it's caught on. Oh, uh, I guess that's cool. Well, the people in Ohio like to call me Cardinal because I'm always leaving the nest and, uh... uh shall we get to business? Of course not. We'll be here for a few days. Let's get to know each other first. Well, it seems like it's going to storm. We might get snowed in. Tanner, you strike me as a very well-organized man. Is that so? That's what my ma always told me. Way back in high school, I always cleaned and organized the house. Ma got sick, so I had to step up for her. Dad died in the war. Of course, that was before I was old enough to go fight in the war myself. Just a few years later, I made it out onto the Western Front just in time to get a few kills. They signed the armistice a few weeks later. War, huh? And you came back. Not a lot of young boys did, and if they did, their sanity wasn't the best. How's yours, Tanner? I'm not shell-shocked, sir, if that's what you're asking. It wasn't easy in the trenches, and it wasn't easy fighting, but we beat them back and we won. Were you a soldier in the Great War, Joe? It's with all these questions. Just getting to know my new friends. Joe Valentino? With a name like that? And hair the color of darkness? <laughs> I'll bet you're Italian. Yeah, got a thing against Italians? They say you Italian boys are good with your hands. Well, I can generally count on them. <laughs> Everyone's got a little darkness in them. Yours just shows a bit more outwardly. Now listen here, lady. She's playing with you, Joe. We're just here to have fun tonight, to enjoy dinner. Speaking of, when is dinner? Soon enough. Harold's been cooking for the past hour, so I'd only imagine... Dinner is served. Ah, Croc, glad you could make it. I anticipated you'd be in here a little bit late, so I made some extra seafood just in case. If you don't want any, I'll go make something else. Burgers? This is satisfactory. Oh, Harold. Honey, you know I love everything you cook. So Harold and I are going to go diving in Florida soon. A pal of mine went diving and saw something out in the deep ocean. Something massive, like a seal alligator. He said it was near a seamount. He thinks the Germans are spying on us. Would you believe that? I think I would. I heard the Germans are antsy about the collapse of their republic. A German boat off the coast of Florida? No German I came across in the trenches had crowds like that. Well, whatever it is, at least it can't get on land, right? Agreed. It'd be awful if the Germans built a croc-like tank that could both swim in the water and walk on land. A hybrid walking fortress. Would it walk, though? I'm not sure it would. Our tanks had wheels and tracks. They would roll over the trenches, not walk over them. I wouldn't put it past the Germans. And after all, they created the Hindenburg. But the Hindenburg exploded in New Jersey last year. I wouldn't trust their craftsmanship if they built flying fortresses out of a flammable material. Hmm. Are you a smart girl? Up to date on your current events? Oh, I try to be. I like to be up to date on everything. Big. Is that so? It is. Well, I'll have you know I've got some big news back in my room. I'll have to stop by later. How's your food, Chelsea? Oh, it was great. What did everyone else think of the food? It was to die for, Harold. Well, we don't get seafood in Ohio, just burgers. I'd snatch it up again. 
beyond satisfactory. But you like that word, satisfactory. Probably one of my top ten. Such a strange word. Satisfactory is a strange word? Why? Boy, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, split it in half. Satisfactory. What is a satis? What does a factory have to do with anything? I think you're missing the point of the word, Joe. How? Tell me what satis means. It's probably Greek or Latin or something. A rough translation would be enough. You know Latin? Learned a bit from a couple that spent a few nights up here snowed in. <laughs> Guess a good amount of it stuck. So, tell me a bit about yourself, Croc. What do you want to know? Did you fight in the Great War? Where are you from? Well, I was born in a small town near the edge of Philadelphia. Depression hit us pretty hard in the 20s, and I had to scrounge for scraps. I was lucky enough to find a job, and I've been working ever since. You didn't fight in the war? No. I was born in 1918. You look older than 20. Poverty will do that to you. Harold, uh, this is delicious. I wish I had more lobster. Thanks, Joe. Everything I cook has a special ingredient pumped right into it. Oh? And what is that? Tender love and care. Gag me. Rude. Well, I'd best head back to my cabin. There's some paperwork I must do. Stop buying a bit, Chelsea. I'll show you my vast knowledge. <laughs> we gotta get back too, Tanner. It's getting late. Good idea. Best get to your cabins before this storm picks up too much. Actually, I did have a few questions for you. Sure. We found some scratch marks and blood in our cabin underneath the rug. Got any idea what that is? No. Maybe some guests brought a small dog we didn't know about? Maybe. You do the cleaning of the rooms. Uh, well, let's just hope it's nothing then. We did have a few guests one time that were a bit rowdy in those rooms. We had to forcibly remove them. Maybe it came from that? Well, whatever it is, I'm sure it's all good. Thanks for your time and thanks for dinner, Harold. No problem. The storm is definitely starting to pick up, Joe. Sure is. Hopefully we don't get snowed in. Then what'll we do? Wait it out, I guess. Not much else we can do. Maybe some more chess? God, I hope that storm calms down by bedtime. Me too. But the storm doesn't calm down by bedtime. Good night, Joe. Good night, Tanner. I've got a shovel under my bed just in case we need it tomorrow. Let's hope we don't. I tried to sleep, but it wasn't easy. There was a slight draft, and I couldn't shake this odd feeling I had. I thought I heard the sound of someone either leaving or entering her cabin late at night. But I was so tired. Why, though? Sure, I traveled a decent distance, but I'd never been that tired after a long drive. And as I thought that, I started feeling sick to my stomach. My forehead began to perspire, and after a moment later, I was opening the door and hurling into the, the snow. Perhaps the lobster was raw, or perhaps the secret ingredient wasn't tender love and care, but instead, poison! No, I'm 
overreacting. This isn't some radio drama with fantastical murders. This is real life, and I have no reason to be afraid. Yet after I expelled dinner for the third time into the now puke-stained snow, I couldn't help but to feel that something was truly wrong. Joe? Joe? You there? No, of course not. Nobody would be able to hear me calling over this wind. I'm going to head back to the check-in cabin and see if I can find any medicine to help ease my stomach. Oh, hey, Tanner. Harold! You're up late? Yeah, I just got back from Chelsea's. Oh, ho, ho, ho! Spending the evening over there tonight, huh? I was, but she wanted some food. Say, this is the check-in building. That's right. Well, the kitchen's over that way. Yeah, I was starting to freeze off my behind. I wanted to get out of the snow for a minute. Oh, I understand. What are you doing in here? Figured you'd want to sleep. I woke up feeling sick. I was hoping to find some medicine or something in here that might help with my stomach. Medicine? Hmm. We keep some over-the-counter stuff in here, in the storage and kitchen cabinets. I'll grab some for you and we can drop it off on the way back to Chelsea's. I don't mind coming with you. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll probably be freezing anyway, so it only makes sense to stop by this building and warm up. I don't know why the boss sent us up to the mountain in the middle of the winter for business. Couldn't have we met in Madison, or in Minnesville, or even Westerlin? You'd think, but I have no idea. Something about this place. I'll be back in a bit. Just hang tight. What a nice fellow. Bit tubby, and uh, definitely on the verge of losing some of his hair. But doesn't mean he isn't kind. I'll just head over to that chair near the desk and wait. Ten minutes, twenty, thirty. Harold said he'd be back by now. Alright, 45 minutes is enough. My stomach is starting to feel just fine anyways. I ought to head over to the kitchen and check and see what's up with it. Harold? You in here? I didn't do it. You had to have done it. No one else was here except you. It it wasn't me. Croc and Harold stand at the edge of the wall that leads to the storage. Pots and pans are scattered all over the place. Croc holds a small pistol aimed directly at Harold while Harold holds a relatively large butcher's knife. Well, it wasn't me neither. Then who? What are you two fighting over? Don't move. I'll shoot you. He murdered Joe. What? I didn't murder him. Joe? I didn't kill him. I swear I was in my cabin. No way you were in your cabin. You killed this man. No, I didn't. Me and Chelsea were in my cabin. Why were you with Chelsea? Now that's a bold-faced lie is what it is. I was getting to know the doll. She's pretty, that's why. I never came in here, I swear. Then why are you here now? Because I heard a scream. Duh. Told the doll I'd be off to protect her, make sure everything was alright. Told her to hold onto a lamp and hit anyone who came through the door. They didn't say a secret word. Harold was just with me before coming in here. Well, he mustn't have been with you long, because he was already in here when I came in. I came in here to prepare some food. I saw his body and I froze. What else was I supposed to do? I ain't never seen a dead body before, let alone someone who was alive just a few hours ago. Let me see. It looks like someone stabbed him. 
See? And I've got a gun. But my knife doesn't have any blood on it. It's clean. Then how would Croc have gotten a chef's knife? We're in the kitchen cabin. Maybe they came in the back and Croc picked it up then. I'm not gonna kill a man for no reason. That's ridiculous. You two are from competing companies. You think I actually care about my company? I'm just trying to make money so my family can stay alive. It's tough times. I don't believe Croc would kill a man simply because we're from rival companies. But, Harold, you were in the kitchen cabin when we left from dinner. You were probably cooking up food for tomorrow. So why not add a little extra meat? I am not a cannibal. I'm a chef and a mediocre one at that. I don't have a reason to kill Joe. You guys are our guests. You're giving us money. If anything, it was Croc who killed someone. I mean his name is Croc. How much more menacing can you get? I'm known for my fierce business style. I hide in the water until I see a good deal and then I snatch it up. They don't call me Croc because I kill people. I know you did it, Croc. Where's the knife? What? Joe was stabbed, but Harold's knife is clean, and Croc has a gun. Where's the knife? I... That's a good question. Just put your weapons down and help me look around the place, okay? Let's see if we can find any blood or a murder weapon. Your head is certainly pretty calm for someone whose friend just died. Yeah. Because arguing and yelling back and forth isn't going to help us find who did it. Besides, I came right back to my cabin to check in. You said you'd be right back, so I sat here and waited. Honestly, what took you so long? Like I said, I saw the body, froze with fear, and then Croc came marching in like he was going to take me out too. Look, if we keep arguing, then nothing's going to happen. And if there's a killer on the loose and none of us did it, then we've just left another victim out in the cold. Put down your weapons and help me search for a murder weapon. Fine. Okay. We began searching the kitchen. Checking cabinets and cupboards for any sign of blood. We checked the sinks, we checked the ovens, we checked the boxes in storage, and we checked the surrounding territory. There was no sign of any foul play, save for Joe's body. It was as if he simply started bleeding from his stomach and then laid down to die. Nothing. Great. Do you think he could have just thrown the knife off the side of the mountain? That would take a pretty good arm. Anyone who grew up playing baseball probably could. I've never seen a man chuck a baseball off the side of a mountain. We should check on Chelsea. Make sure everything's okay. Well, I'm taking my gun. No way. No weapons. You want us to walk into a snowstorm with a murderer around and no weapons. And better yet, you want us to leave the weapons out in the open? Sounds a bit crazy to me too. Fine. Take them with you. But no gun. Hide it in one of those boxes. Just grab the knife. No way. If you're the killer and have a gun, you can finish us off like that. Well, since I'm not the killer, it's good for protection against whoever is. No gun. Fine. I'm outvoted here. Give me a knife. Thanks. With knives in hand, Croc, Harold, and myself set out into the storm. That's the cabin right there. I can't see it. The storm is too strong. It's that faint shadow. There. Oh, I see it. 
Knock on the door, Croc. Give her the secret word so we don't get concussed. Lobster. I said lobster. Chelsea. Open the door. Let's get out of the cold. Chelsea, you in here? Chelsea! Where could she have gone? I don't know. Why would she have left? She's alone out there. Well, we've got to go save her. Now, hold on. What if she's the killer? Chelsea wouldn't hurt anyone. It's not in her nature. No, she wouldn't. Besides, even if she was the killer, we shouldn't leave her alone. She could escape or set a trap. Fine. Then where do you think she is? Your cabin. Mine? Why? It's the closest cabin that isn't this one. Well, let's get going. Wish I brought along my other heavy coat. Chelsea! Fellas? Oh, thank God, fellas! You're all right. I heard screaming and I just... I just had to get away. Harold, I'm scared. I don't know what was happening. We've never had screaming before. Not since that couple from Iowa, and those weren't screams of terror, those were screams of hug. Chelsea! Chelsea! Listen to me. Joe was murdered tonight. Oh my god. Oh, sorry, Lord! And you're all starting to seem mighty suspicious. Chelsea, you're gonna stay where you are. Harold, you're gonna back away from her real slowly and sit in that chair over there. Croc, I want you sitting in that chair over there. I'm going to start asking some questions, and you're going to give me some answers. First off, who murdered Joe Valentino? Who died and put you in charge? I'm uncomfortable. For all we know, you're the killer. Let's not do this song and dance again. Look, each of us has a weapon. We've got knives, and Chelsea's got a lamp. No one's hurting anyone because if they get attacked by the other three... You think if any of us were the killers, we'd actually confess? Croc, that's a mighty suspicious thing to say. You're an idiot. Calm down now. I've... I've... Okay. Look, now listen here, Croc. You've got a reason to kill Joe. We're from rival companies. That's a perfect reason Like to... I said, I don't care about you. We're in a depression. I'm just here for the money so my family doesn't end up on the streets. And couldn't you get a big promotion if you made us agree? Well, yes, but I'm not gonna kill you. Killing you doesn't make you agree to my demands. In fact, it ends negotiation. Fair point. Harold, Chelsea, you both live up here. Not always. Yeah, only during this time of year. But still, what if you lure people to the lodges and kill them? You're asking all the wrong questions. Croc killed Joe. Harold killed Joe. Wait, what? He was so young, so much younger than you. He saw how handsome he was. You knew I'd run away with him. He's Italian. What? 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 So he ran off and made it so our love could never happen. Are you telling me that Joe was sneaking out to see Chelsea? Then why were you in my bedroom tonight? I'm Mormon. It's true. Chelsea and I have been drifting apart. Now you admit it! Chelsea, let's not start this now. I still love you. Easy for you to say after. Chelsea, let the man speak. <sighs> We've been drifting apart, and I just can't anymore. 
We've been sleeping in separate cabins. When we make it through the night, I'm leaving. I'm gonna go to Madison, back home with my family. You are going to leave me on top of a mountain all alone? Since you keep trying to sleep with every man that stops by, yes! Chelsea, what were you doing before you met with Croc? Well, I was prettying up, getting ready to meet Joe. We agreed early via sensual eye contact that we would meet later. So I was prettying myself up and putting on my most attractive nightgown for an evening of love, lust, and excellence. (laughs) Chelsea. I can't help it, Harold. A woman has standards. And so? And so I was on my way to pose for him on the front desk, but I waited and waited and waited. He never came. So... I went to Croc. So I'm the backup, huh? Could we have another killer in our midst? Another person? I'm not sure how they would have been able to. Yes, there were multiple times where we were all in one cabin. Multiple times where we split up and only one of us was in one cabin at a time. There are plenty of places to hide. So where could the killer be now? Well... Chelsea, don't you move. Oh, relax. What was that? What? I thought I saw a shadow moving through the window over there. There's something moving out there. I don't see nothing. Well, let's sit in the cabin and wait and see if he comes in. Maybe he heard us? We should move as a group. See if we can find what cabin he went in. No. We should split up. I'll stay with Croc. The hell you will. I like this idea. We should all go together. What happens if we play hide-and-seek with the killer? They just go to whatever cabin we're not looking in? There's only four cabins. If we stay in groups of two, we can keep two cabins occupied at all times. That makes sense. Croc and I will go and check his cabin. Then we'll come back and check this one again. You can check the kitchen and check-in cabins. Okay. What happens if we get into trouble? Pray. Nothing looks different here. Just keep an eye out, okay? They could be hiding in the corners anywhere. Or back in storage. You still see Joe's body? Let me check. Yeah, it looks the same as when we left it. So, the killer isn't trying to hide the evidence? Nope. Doesn't look like it. I'll go check that half of storage. You go check the other half. Holler if you need me. Who could have killed Joe? Let's see. We all ate dinner together, then back to our rooms. I probably got to sleep around 9 or 10 p.m. before waking up a few hours later. By that point, Joe was gone. Supposedly, this was when Harold was sleeping and Chelsea was getting ready to meet Joe. But then she went over and waited in the check-in cabin for him, and he never arrived. And that's because he was dead in the kitchen cabin. So she went to Croc as Harold and I met in the check-in cabin. Harold left to grab some medicine and I waited for 40 minutes. Harold said he saw the body and froze, then Croc arrived. Harold wouldn't have been able to kill Croc if he didn't have that gun, which means that Harold was playing safe and... Harold's the killer! Tanner! 
I heard a gunshot. I dive underneath some of the shelves, hiding in wait and trying to blend in with the shadows as much as I possibly can. My grip around the, the knife is iron as I prepare myself to strike. I'm scared, Tanner. Where'd you go? I see Harold's shadow move to the darkened room. He holds his hand out, likely with a gun. He must have gone back for it while I was searching this area. But it all makes sense now. I shouldn't have been so trusting. But who would have thought Pudgy Harold would be the killer? Alright, Tanner. Let's end this charade. I'm out now and I'll just put the bullet in the brain. It'll be a quick death. I got his Achilles! Ah! I roll out from under the shelves just in time. Damn it! I dart behind him with my hand outstretched. The knife severs the back of his neck. Ah! That hurt! And he quickly turns around. And just like that, my knife plunges into his heart. Or at least where I assume his heart would be if he wasn't a cold-hearted killer. Ah! How could you, Harold? Why did you kill him? Was it jealousy? No. Then why? Chelsea. What? Now, who's the murderer? This, this is self-defense. We could've lived. He's dead, and I feel no less safe now than I did five minutes ago. I should go check on Chelsea and Croc, and let them know that Harold was the killer. Poor Joe. Rest in peace. As I make my way through the frozen terrain, I catch a whiff of the smell of smoke. As I near my cabin, it's burning. My cabin's on fire! Chelsea! Croc! I've got to get in closer. Make sure no one is inside. <coughs> the window is shattered. And that's... blood. Let me see if I can see anything closer. Oh, look! That's Chelsea's lamp. The bulb is broken. I wonder if that started the fire. That must mean that... There is a second killer. And it's Croc. I've got to head to his cabin and save Chelsea. The jig is up, Croc. Surrender and come quietly. I don't know why you are working with Harold, but I bet it's something to do with your relationship with Chelsea. She better still be alive in there. Croc! I barge through the door. Before me lies a twisted sight. The beds have been flipped and tossed to the side. In a dimly lit room, the air heavy with unsettling stillness, a pentagram made of blood unfolds across the floor. The crimson lines are hastily drawn, creating an intricate pattern that seems to pulse with an otherworldly energy. A metallic scent lingers in the air. Small uneven pools of blood are located at the tip of each side. The edges of the pentagram seem to shimmer as if the very fabric of reality is distorted within its confines. The ritualistic symbols within the pentagram are etched with precision, suggesting an ancient and arcane purpose. I am in awe and disbelief. The body that lays in the center of the pentagram is Crocs. Chelsea dances between each side, chan chanting something I don't understand. <laughs> Ma 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 
Mavis Munrechte Adu, Matadira Vihimat, Nadnefed Matnomre, Muemse Brochen Ute, Neokov Matadira Vida. Chelsea! What are you doing? Oh, you're here. You're supposed to be dead. I've got to stop her. If I can break the pentagram, I can end whatever witchcraft she's practicing. I've stopped dead in my tracks. I can't move. What's happening? Little bit of witchcraft. Like I said, we all have darkness in our hearts. Harold's dead, Chelsea. The jig is up. Whatever you're trying to do here, it's not going to work. Is that so? <laughs> I don't believe that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Are you praying? Do you think praying is going to stop me? God's not real. God defeats witchcraft. He's powerful, and if I invoke his name, he'll smite you where you stand. You're going to hell, devil. <laughs> All right. So, I'm going to kill you because you killed Harold and because you're religious. Not that being religious will do anything to help or harm you, but just because I find it annoying. Why did you do it, witch? My master showed me the truth. He bestowed it upon me since Harold and I were so loyal. That's not an answer. Fine. I discovered a book. And in this book, I learned that Harold and I can live forever as long as we get people to sign their names in the book. It'll transfer their remaining life to ours if they die. See where I'm going here? Remember that couple from Iowa we mentioned at dinner? <laughs> Dead. And their bodies are out in the snow. We killed a family, too. They are buried on the other side of the cabin. <laughs> now, Croc? Dead. How long have you two been alive? Mm. It's been a while since we sailed over, so probably 300 or more years. You've been killing people for 300 years? And practicing witchcraft for that long? If I had to guess, yeah. But why? Hmm. Harold and I fell in love at a young age. We were married and raised a family. A beautiful family. Two wonderful sons, one gorgeous daughter. But they didn't survive the journey. The ship rocked, the rats came and the food was scarce. We did what we could to keep them nursed, but they were younger, weaker. The bodies couldn't go so long with so little food. And so we watched them die, slowly, painfully, effortlessly. They just withered away like wood in a fire. Then they were nothing but skin and bone. I, I didn't want to see that happen to my Herald. And when we moved from Boston to the Massachusetts Bay Colonies up here, we ended up discovering the book. And we've been taking names ever since. This... this is an act of the devil. We thought that too, at first. But I don't actually think it has anything to do with him. This land? There's something far more powerful here. Did you need Joe for this ritual? No. He just happened to walk into the kitchen while Harold and I were talking. It was, um... unfortunate. So many years wasted. Why wouldn't you just kill Croc first and complete the ritual while we all slept? He had a gun. 
I'm sure you could have seduced him and taken it. <laughs> Probably. But this ended up being a rather eventful evening anyway. You disarmed him, and all I had to do was jump into his arms, feigning fear. But what's the point of continuing with this ritual if you won't have Harold? I... I... I hadn't thought about that. He's dead. And now you're going to live forever alone. I... I... <laughs> no. No. We're supposed to have so many more years left. Maybe I can give some of Croc's years to Harold. Yes. My body. I can move it ever so slightly. She seems to be focusing on something else. Chelsea, you're a horrible person. Quiet down over there. There, I can move just a little bit more. I've got to waver her focus. But what will get under her skin? Chelsea, your children deserve their deaths. You're getting real close to dying. Chelsea, Harold died like a fat pig, oinking and screaming as I plunged my knife into his heart. That shit! I'm free! Oh shit. Ha! No! You fool! You broke the circle! You have no idea what you did! Gust fire from the circle in all directions, shattering the windows. And Chelsea's skin begins to twist. Bones snap. As her skin peels back like that of a grape, the souring odor of burnt flesh fills the rooms as her cheekbones begin to melt. With a squelching sound, her eyes twist in her sockets. The eyelids that once kept them secured in her heads melt away. They fall from her head, dangling by loose, fleshy strands. My eyes! But as I watch her, I begin to feel my own flesh play. My elbow shatters as the bones of my arms descend into my biceps. I heard a thud on the ground and moved my hands to my face. The flesh that once covered my jaw is gone, and so too is my jaw. I feel my upper teeth melting away like liquid gold as my body succumbs to the power of the ritual. And as I die, I see a glimpse of something dancing along the wall. A shadow. A shadow of someone. No. Something like I've never seen before. My last glimpse alive is of a sappy puddle of blood and flesh before me. Of what was once a woman, so too will I become. And thus ends the chilling story of Tanner and the Lodges. 
The Four Lodges Resort would be investigated by the Westerland Police Department the following spring. Sources have never been found dating back to what events happened after half of the Four Lodges Resort burned down. No one knew why two bodies were found within the kitchen cabin, nor were police able to figure out how the fourth cabin simply seemed to vanish from existence. Murder at the Lodges Written by Noah Martin Featured in the cast were Drew Moore as the Quizzical Tanner Myself as the Youthful Joe Dustin Burke as the Fierce Businessman Croc Dylan Sedam as the Chef Harold and Lizzie Zink as the bubbly Chelsea. I'm Noah Martin, and I've been your narrator tonight. If you like what you heard, then be sure to tune in to more Retrospection Radio Theater for horrors beyond your imagination. Thank you for tuning in today, and happy birthday, Retrospection. <laughs>